Take your Bibles this morning and we're turning to the book of wisdom over there in the book of Proverbs this morning, if you will. We're taking this book in our hands now and roping it because it's vital to our faith. It's vital to my daily life and I'm opening it because God has spoken. Amen. God has spoken. This Bible is the word of God and God spoke. Why? This was God breathed this word to make us wise unto salvation and I need this word this morning and so do you not just to be wise in salvation but to grow in our faith and if we're going to learn the doctrine of godliness there is a doctrine which accords with godliness starting today we're going to learn some of these theological concepts and principles and and how God and his word relate to godliness listen if this if we want to be godly like God then we need to know what God is like does that make sense I mean, if I want to be like him, I need to know what he's like. Where am I going to learn what God is like? This book right here. This book reveals who God is. It reveals what God is like. It tells us it's his self-revelation. He is revealing himself to you and to me as he speaks. He's telling us what kind of God he is. And I need that. And then my response, your response... Godliness is just responding to God's revelation of himself. And he gives us the grace for our lives to be made new. And as I learn, as you learn, to walk in the light of God, in the light of God's word, that's when we have fellowship with him, we walk with him, we experience the fullness of life as he made that. You'd think that'd be easy, right? But it's not. Because we live in an age where there's a rejection of authority. All types of authority that God has established all around us. Whether it's parents or political leaders and authority. Or whether it's uh, marital authority or even ecclesiastical authority. What we see now is authority is being destroyed everywhere. And actually at the root of it is a a rebellion against the authority of God. But see, this word speaks, it's over all of us. It has authority over your life, over my life, over every individual's life. Even if they say, well, I don't want to hear it. No, God still has authority over their life. See, some people don't respect that authority, and some are ungrateful for that authority. They reject it. They rebel it. And see, God established authority so that there would be boundaries in life that we would respect and realize that society and relationships flow much better when we're in those positions of authority. We see a culture today is trying to destroy that everywhere. Now listen, when you don't have authority over your life, what that means is you want to be your own authority. Essentially, that's the heart of a fool. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And the fool wants to be his own authority and make his own decisions and not yield to what God has said. And so Solomon is going to speak here in Proverbs 13, this critical verse, and which highlights for you and for me, really what's the secret to learning godliness. Because if I want to know what God is like so I can be like him, I need to open this book that shows me what God is like. But see, if I won't even open the book, I'll never know what he's like. And that's why this book is so critical. And in this one verse, Solomon says, listen, there's really two perspectives to what God says to this book. And you're either in one of the camp or the other today, okay? So it's wise to listen carefully and examine the attitude of my heart this morning. Listen, when you and I enter into worship, when we enter into Sunday school class, when we enter into any time where the word of God is open, 
What is my disposition? What is my disposition towards the word of God? I'm grateful as a Southern Baptist following the footsteps of our Anabaptist brethren. Listen, to realize we have been always a people of the book. Our confessional document, the Baptist faith and message, is one that recognizes, listen, it opens up with a statement, not about God, it starts with a statement about the word of God and the priority of the word of God. Now, if we ever jettison the priority of the word of God, which we'll decide most likely in June whether we do or don't, and then we may not be Southern Baptists much longer here. But this is what we know. God has spoken, and I want to hear what God has to say. The one who made me, the one who made you, the one who offers us, listen, to remake us and make us new. And you know what, what's important today? And it's important to us living a life of godliness is what is my attitude towards what God says? And it's critical for me each and every day. So I want you to stand. We're just going to read this proverb once again. As we read this this morning, hear the word of the Lord. And I may highlight, there's a couple verses here, a couple words in these verse, verses that you need to circle or make note of today. Notice this now, he who despises the word, that's the critical word here. He who despises the word will be destroyed. But he who fears, that's the other critical word, the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. And Father, today, examine my heart, examine our hearts, Lord, Lord, we can't pull the wool over your eyes. You see everything, Lord. We're, we're an open book to you, Lord. We've opened your book today because we want to hear you speak. And this verse, Lord, it, it's challenging us to examine, Lord, what is our attitude, our disposition to what you say. And so, Lord, exam- if we're wrong, dear God, today, please change our hearts. God, please soften our heart if it's hardening and rebelling against you. Please soften it, Lord, so we'll hear you speak and our lives can be made new. And Lord, if our heart and attitude is right, then God, just continue to grow that, Lord. Give us a love and a longing to hear you speak, we pray. And we'll ask all this in the name of the one whose name is the word of God, Jesus, and for his sake, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. What is my disposition toward God's word? This book is essential to growing in godliness. You can't do without the book. In fact, remember, it's Peter who said that God has given us everything, everything you and I need for both life and godliness through the true knowledge of him, of Jesus. Where do we get that true knowledge? Where, where can we get the true knowledge of Jesus? This book right here. Everything about Jesus that you and I need, everything we need for life, And to be godly is found in this book. I need this book for godliness because you know what? This book is alive. It's it's living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. God can take this and just fillet me wide open. It just opens up. As it would say there in Hebrews 4, the eye of God sees every creature. Every creature is laid bare before him. God sees everything going on. I know we're good at putting on masks and faking others around us, right? Right, because we can hide behind all these masks. But the reality is God sees right through it. And it's the word that exposes us. And you say, I don't like what I see in there. Well, neither does God. But here's the amazing thing. This word has the power to change us. If I come, as James would say, and I look in the mirror, 
I want to look intently. I, I don't want to forget what I see. I want to look and see what the word assesses, says about me and about my heart. And as I allow the word to, to examine me and I see something, then the amazing thing, this word is like a scalpel. It can just cut away the sin. And then it also is a healing salve which can renew my mind. It can transform my life. That's what truth does. And it gives us victory over sin and over self. And so don't run away too quickly from what we see in the word. I need the word to speak to me. I, I need the light of the word to illumine my path. It, it reveals who God is. And, it, and, and, and even if we study in Proverbs earlier in chapter 2, I mean, if we're going to have a Bible study, there's an attitude we have to have that, that yes, God has spoken and I want to tune my ear to hear what he has to say. And that pursuit of that wisdom that he's speaking. Listen, I, I want to search for it as hidden treasure and as precious silver. I, I want to realize that, that God has what I need to hear today. And if that'll be the attitude of my heart, I mean, I can grow in godliness. I'll know God and I'll know godly ways. And that's the key. So what's that answer to the question today for you? What is your heart's disposition to God's word. Whether it's right now, opening it, or when God speaks about something in your relationship with your spouse, raising your kids, what you do with your money, how you invest it, not just in this world, but in the kingdom to come. Because God's word speaks to those and many other things. And the question is, we can determine which camp we're in. Some, you see this, right? They despise God's word he who despises the word you want to circle that word it despise it's a very important word ready here's the hebrew word you'll love this ready especially the children they'll probably teach them in children's churches right buzz that's the hebrew word and and the children when we teach this at headwaters christian academy you know what i love when i teach it because they all remember it because here's essentially what it's saying you I, you buzz god you ever heard anybody God says this, ah, I don't believe that. You ever seen somebody like, I've been like that at times. You have too, if you're honest with yourself. There's times you said, I don't care what God says. I, I know better than him. That's literally the picture in the Hebrew. It's a word that has meaning just in the way it's spoken in the Hebrew dialect, in the Hebrew language. And so when you buzz, when you despise God's word, what you're saying is, I don't appreciate what he has to say. There, there's no value in what he says. I don't need what God says. And that's what it means to, to have a heart that, that despises what God says. It's, it's undervaluing God's word. It's holding it in contempt. When David sinned, Solomon's daddy, when David sinned, you can read about this over in 2 Samuel chapter 12, when he sinned against Bathsheba, against the Lord with Bathsheba, it was, it was <clears throat> equated with contempt of God, a despising of God and his word. Now, what we know from Proverbs in the very beginning in chapter 1 is, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it's what fools who despise, that same word, buzz, fools despise wisdom and instruction. They don't want to hear it. They know better than God. 
It's a word that you find even in the end of Proverbs, chapter 30, verse 17, when it talks about a generation that's proud and violent. A generation that, listen, that, that, that its, eye, its eyes think they're so proud and, and so they mock their father and despise or buzz their mother. That's why you see, moms and dads, we have that responsibility to pour God's wisdom, God's truth into our children. And students, children, listen, it's your responsibility to hear, heed, and hold on to the wisdom that our parents give us, the wisdom, the instruction about the Lord. But if you say, ah, I know better than that. I know better than God. What you're doing is despising God's word. In fact, you'll find this word about six or seven more times in the book of Proverbs. Now, what's important to know is about this is, you see, over in Numbers chapter 15, verse 30, when it says, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person, that one that does that, shall be completely cut off. When Isaiah was speaking to uh, God's people in those first six chapters of Isaiah, the first five are just very enlightening for a nation that has turned its back on God. I I think in so many ways you can just see a picture of of our nation today. Not that we replace Israel, we don't. But this is a nation that turns its back on God. Isaiah says in Isaiah 5.24, Because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel judgment comes you see a nation that turns its back on God says ah we don't need your laws we don't need to we don't need your laws in the legal system we don't need your law we don't need your word in the schools we don't need your word in our lives we don't need your word in our relationships you see a nation like that judgment is right Amos 2 4 for three transgressions of Judah a yea for four I will not turn away its punishment why because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept his commandments so there's great danger why is there great danger because what does the wisdom say those who despise the word will be destroyed they'll be destroyed now listen they despise the word What's the word there? Well, the word is a very general term used in the Old Testament. In fact, when you see the word davar there, it has 85 different meanings in the Old Testament. It's just the general term for how God speaks. And that's important because, you know, God has spoken in a general way and in a specific way. When you drove to church today, did you realize God was speaking to you as you drove? All of creation is declaring the glory of God. Uh, There's some who didn't hear that message today and they didn't end up in God's house to worship him. But God is speaking, Psalm 19, right? A general revelation to everyone, to every man, every woman, every tribe, every nation, everywhere. Wherever the sun runs its course, creation is speaking. But not everyone accepts that light. Some despise it. They don't worship God the creator. Instead, they worship created things, Romans chapter 1. But God has spoken in this general way, but he also speaks in a variety of ways. He speaks in words, he speaks in visions, he speaks in dreams. All of these things in the Old Testament, as God has spoken, now the the Spirit of God has inspired all of these individuals to write the word that we now have, canonized, and, and God has spoken, breathing this word, to you and to me. 
He accommodates himself to us and helps us to know who he is and what he is like. The, 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 the word that God speaks in nature condemns mankind. There's no one that's without excuse because God has spoken. The amazing thing, God, God gives more light and he brings more light and we have to choose. Am I going to receive or am I going to reject what God says? I better receive it because if I despise it, reject it, and the Bible says and warns, they will be destroyed. These are the consequences. Now, if your version says something different, some versions translate it this way, we'll be in debt to it. Well, stop and think about it. Is it, we'll be in debt to it or we'll be destroyed by it? Well, both, right? Because if God's spoken, we are in debt to what God has said. We are accountable for whatever light God has given us. I am responsible for the light that God gives. That's we owe him. Remember, if this is the authority over us and this God, God has spoken to us, then this word, whatever word I've heard, whether it's here in creation, or in Christ, the reality is I am responsible and in debt to that revelation. But if I reject it, will I be destroyed? Well, that's the testimony of the Word of God, right? Those who rejected what God said, you think of old Pharaoh, hardened his heart, said, I'm not let God's people go. I'm not, I don't even know the God you're speaking about. And what happened? Ultimately, he was destroyed. You see it time and time again. Those who shake their fists at God. Those who rebel against the Lord. Those who despise, have no concern for what he says. And defy him, ultimately, are destroyed. You see, when God speaks, the creator speaks. He gives us boundaries. He gives us that plumb line we learned last week. So we can know what is right and what is wrong. And when we're wrong, he can rebuke us and get us on the right side, correct us, so that we can live instructed in righteousness. But see, those boundaries, those laws that he gives us, don't defy him. I know we try sometimes to do that. I've seen little boys try to do that, to defy the law of God. It's really simple. It's funny. Sometimes, actually, it's hilarious when you have a cup of lemonade and you're sitting back on the back porch on, a, on, a, on an afternoon and you see these boys trying to climb trees. And I've seen like six of them try this sometimes, you know. And they get up there and they say, hey, you, watch this. I can fly. And they jump out and they flap their arms, but they don't. They just thud, hit the ground. And uh, they all laugh at each other and, and they try to defy the law of gravity can't do it can't do it they try and try and try all they want but they can't do it you see you can live like the word of God's not relevant to your life that, that you can't act you can do whatever you want to do and act like he's not there but beloved one day you'll have to give an account one day you'll have to stand before him and give an account for what he said and those who have rejected him those who have tried to define their own right and wrong those who have said no I'll be God I don't need his law those who live their lives in that way will be destroyed now listen God speaks to us so we won't be destroyed the word of God listen became flesh because we stood condemned and he came to save us from that God's demonstrated how much he loves you and me that he has sent his son. He has spoken to us in this final word, Hebrews chapter 1. Yes, he's spoken a variety of ways to our fathers in the past, but now he's spoken to us in one final word. And the choice you and I have to make is, will I despise that final word, Jesus? Because if you despise him, beloved, you will be destroyed. 
And see, it's all a matter of my heart, my attitude to what God says. Now, I can despise him. I can shake my fist at him. I can say, I don't want that in my life. Or there's another option. I can reverence what God says. Those who despise the word will be destroyed. But those, he who fears the commandment, he who reverences what God says. Why is fear? Why is fear so important? I think, why wouldn't it say love? I mean, why don't we love the commandment? You see, it begins with a step of healthy fear. How does wisdom begin? The fear of the Lord is what? The first step. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of truly knowing who God is. It's a recognition. He's God. I'm not. It's recognizing he's spoken and I need to hear what he has to say. And you step that way in reverence. Actually, I think you step this way. He's God. I'm not. And if I reverence the commandment, if I have a respect, if it's, a, it's an attitude of my heart, recognizing he knows me better than I know myself. He's the authority over me. I'm not the authority in my own life. God, God speaks, and when we reverence him, we reverence specifically the commandment. Now, if I find it interesting. Now, listen, the word used up earlier in verse 13 is a generic term. But this word right here, commandment, why would it say the commandments? Aren't there 10 of them or 618, depending on how you count them? Why is, is there one commandment that we should reverence above all the others? Is this the Torah? Or is there one law, one commandment that sums up all the others? Well, what's fascinating is if you go over to Deuteronomy chapter 6, where we find that one commandment that's the supreme commandment. Before you get to that supreme commandment in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, what you discover is a command that was given to, by Moses before God's people went into the promised land. And he said, hey men, you are responsible to your sons and your grandsons to teach them to fear the Lord, to fear God. This is the commandment and the statutes and the judgments. The commandment there is singular. What's the commandment, the one commandment that sums up all those statutes and judgments? That I'm to, in reverence of God, I'm to instruct my children. What is it? To love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? To love him with my whole being. And if I will reverence that one commandment, do you realize today, listen, we don't have a bunch of do's and don'ts. We have one supreme commandment, and the second one's like it, right? These, on these two hang all the table, all the commandments, right? If I will reverence God, be a loving God fear, loving God with all my being, you think I'm going to want to kill anybody? Mm -mm. No. Steal from anybody? No. Lie to anybody? No. Covet what anyone has? No. Nope. All of those commandments. Worship some other God? Nope. Why? Because I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. If I will reverence that, respect that, honor that, appreciate that, count that as central and significant to my entire being, then I will be going well in life. Why? Because I'll be rewarded. I will be rewarded for that attitude of my heart. And these are the two options. Either I, I, I despise what God says or I reverence what God says. Now this reward, what is the reward we get? This is the amazing thing. Mark this in the margin of your Bible. Write Hebrews 11.6, right? What does Hebrews 11.6 say? I mean, that's the great chapter about faith. And faith comes how? By hearing the word 
of God. What does Hebrews 11, 6 say? Listen, anyone, anybody today that comes to God must believe two things, right? That he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He is, he is what? Well, he is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the great I am. He is fill in the blank. We've learned that all last year, right? He is supreme, sovereign, transcendent, eminent, incomprehensible, omniscient, omnipresent. I mean, he just is. He has always been. I'm here because he is and says I can be here. He is. And not only that, he rewards those who seek him. In fact, Father Abraham, the father of faith, Genesis chapter 15, when Abraham was walking before the Lord and walking with him, God made a vision to him and spoke to him and said, Hey, Abraham, listen, fear me. Listen, walk in my ways. You know why? Because I am your reward. I am. It isn't that we get a hefty bank account or we get a mansion or we get this and that, this material stuff here on this earth. So many think that that's what we get. No, no, no. The reward is God himself. That's the reward we get. That he gives himself to us. And we become his people. We become his children. And we become heirs of his kingdom and all the blessings. But it all begins with him. We get him. You know what's amazing is that over in chapter 22 of Revelation, Jesus says, there's only a few words there that Jesus speaks, but he says this, Behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. He's our reward. But one day, he's coming through those skies. Those who reverence God, those who reverence and love him, are looking forward to that reward. I mean, it could be any moment. It could be any day. And so we live our lives, listen, in the pursuit of godliness, it all begins with my disposition towards the word of God. What do I think about what God has said? Listen, in the struggle against sin in our life, you and I, we can defeat sin by the grace of God as the Spirit takes the Word of God in our life and helps us to duel with the devil. That's what Jesus taught us over in Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. You want to be fruitful? You want to have a godly life and be fruitful in your life? We're going to learn in John chapter 15. Listen, Jesus would say as branches, we should abide in the vine. And as the vine abides in us, there's one particular thing that abides in us, his word. And when that happens and there's that connection, then our life bears fruit. And God's desire is that we bear much fruit. That's only possible with the word. In fact, if you want your life transformed, what's critical is this. I have to renew my mind. Put off the old ways of thinking, which were influenced, listen, by me being in authority, saying I know what's best. I, God. I put that old way of living off. I put on a new way of living where I acknowledge God is God and I'm not. And his word, his principles, his precepts, I'm taking things captive to that truth, that knowledge, the knowledge of the word, of who he is and what he's like. And I find that in the word of God. You see, this morning, we're one of two camps. Either we despise what God says, we know better than him, or we reverence. No, you know better, God. And I want to hear, heed, and hold on to what you say. And really, we're like two kings in the Old Testament. We're like one or the other. Now, one of the kings who despised what God said, his name was Jehoiakim. And Jeremiah the prophet, man, he was bringing the word. It was like a hammer. It was like a fire. He had to speak that word, even when they didn't want to hear it. Man, they threw him in the cistern. They put him in stock. They, they, they treat, maltreated him. He's just bringing the word. 
And, and King Jehoiakim, he, Jeremiah brought the word to him. And when Jeremiah brought the word to him, he had this letter from, oh, this is the word, this is the word from God. Ah, whoosh, and he just ripped the scroll right in half. Threw it in the fire to keep himself warm. God said, well, you know what? I'm going to send him another word. On an iron stylus, he wrote it out. He couldn't throw that one in the fire. He couldn't break that one. Jehoiakim despised God's word. I don't want to hear what God has to say on that issue. Sometimes, let's be honest, that's the attitude of our hearts on a particular issue. Praise God, he's merciful, amen. Praise God, he's gracious. Praise God, he's patient with us, long-suffering, abounding in grace and mercy, wooing us. Why is he that way? Why does he forbear? Why, why does he show us goodness? Why does he withhold his judgment? Because he wants us to repent. He wants us to get away from that hard attitude and be like King Josiah, right? King Josiah, just a young boy. They're cleaning up the temple. And, and, and they say, hey, king, we found a book you need to read. King Josiah, just a young lad, he starts reading. He realizes, oh, no. This isn't good. This isn't good. We, we haven't heeded God's word. We haven't listened. Our fathers haven't taught us God's word. We, we're in danger. And you know what he did? He didn't rip up the book because he didn't like it. He tore his clothes. Because his heart was torn asunder. And in brokenness and repentance, he said, God, have mercy on us. Because you see, this is the amazing thing. God is a God of grace and mercy. And when you've rebelled against him, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've said, I don't want to hear what God has to say. The amazing thing is God reaches to you and reaches to me. And he says, listen, just come, come. Enough rebelling. You don't have to do that any longer. Surrender, surrender to me. Hear and heed. Hold on to what I say. And see, really, your life demonstrates one of those two things today. My life demonstrates one of those two things today. Either I reverence what God has to say or I despise what God has to say. I mean, does my life demonstrate, does your life demonstrate an appreciation for God's word, a desire to hear him speak? I mean, Jesus is, you know, in the parable of the sower said, listen, we've all got this soil in our hearts. And you have to be really careful that there's not this hard soil where the seed can't even be planted. And, and Satan, those little birds just swoop right down and grab that, that, that little seed and fly away. There's a danger even today. You don't like what the pastor's saying and your heart is hardened and I ain't going to listen to it. I, and Satan will swoop down and pluck that before you leave this church. That seed won't do anything in your life. Sometimes that seed finds soil. Listen, and the cares of this world, the worries of this world are, are like the weeds. It'll choke it out. I need to say, God, pluck this out of my life. I recognize this tear. I, get it out, Lord. Get these, this, this weed out of my life. I'm done. I don't want this anymore in my life. I want, I want to be on the good soil. I want my heart to, to, to bear fruit, 30, 60, 100, whatever it is. I, I want God's word to change me. It's, it's the attitude of your heart when you come to worship, when you open your Bible at home to hear God speak, when you listen on the radio to a a real good Bible preacher, okay? Because there's all types out there, right? Or even on the, radio, the TV. Or when you go to a grow class to grow in the Word. What do I do? What is my attitude? Do I come into class? Oh, I know more than anybody in this room. 
I know more. I'm going to tell everybody what I know. Are you in a position where you're teachable? That you're willing to learn? Or do you know more than everyone else? You see, it's the disposition of my heart. It's the attitude of my heart. Oh, God, rend our hearts and not our garments, right? That we'd be broken before him and realize we're nothing. Whatever we are, we are by the grace of Almighty God. And that grace reaches us and wants to transform our lives. And it's our response to God's word. It says everything about us. This word is central to growing in godliness. It instructs us what it means to be like him. And everything I need, everything you need, is right here in this book. Because it gives me the true knowledge about Jesus. You see, if we were honest today with God, God, search me, examine me. Your, your heart's open up before him. Hebrews 4, verse 13. The eye of every creature is naked before him. It's like when you're wrestling and you throw that opponent on the mat and then you got him on his, you're about to pin him and you tell him, start, look up them lights, count them lights up there while I pin you. That's what the word does. We're, 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 we're exposed, we look up and there's light shining at us. What are you going to do with it? This morning. I mean, if we're honest, some of us need to say, God, forgive me. Change my heart. And he's gracious. He's merciful. Why won't we ask him for the grace and mercy? He'll freely give. God, you've been so patient with me. I just want to praise you this morning. And there's a period in my life where I just ran from you. I rebelled against you. But praise God, he kept coming. Amen. He kept reaching. He kept coming to you and me. And see, we need to be grateful for that. Share that with others around us. Say, man, let me tell you something. I'm grateful that the hound of heaven kept coming after me. Wouldn't leave me where I was. And he's not done with us. That's why we're growing in godliness. That's why we're teachable. And that's why we need his grace. God, renew our hearts, renew our minds, renew our lives. That we reverence you. To love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength.